You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming. And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network. All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process. And we're here to help you process. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy because we don't have all the answers. And we will never make you feel like an outsider. Keeping with the theme of sharing, we always want to acknowledge the whole person. And that starts with our personal Personal check-in. Let's do it. Hey, friend. How are you? Are you there? I am. I am. It's a loaded question these days, right? Everybody's like, how are you? And I think people are trying to come up with like new and innovative ways to say the same thing since it feels like we're always in the same state of mind. But yeah, a lot going on in the news, as we know, a lot happening around COVID, a lot around justice. And so, yeah, I'm good. I, with all that aside, have had a chance to go to the beach this last week and sort of take in some ocean air and breathe in, breathe out, get a little uh, restoration going on. Mm. So that's been lovely. How was your your Mother's Day? I got to ask. Did you feel celebrated? Oh, my Mother's Day. Yeah. How did Trey Um, do? Did Trey do a good job? He did. He did as well as could be be expected. (laughs) I got a, a very beautiful card with a personal sentiment that he thought about and didn't just, you know, sign. It was really quite sweet. And I almost cried, which I'm not not known for doing that. So I was teared up and um, I had it, it arrived on my bedstand. So I woke up to this card, right, which was really sweet. And um, he had ordered things on Amazon. Of course, we all know Amazon these days is taking 25,000 years to get to get non-essential things to people. So it didn't arrive in time and still waiting for one of my gifts, but very, very sweet and thoughtful and he did good. He did real good. Yeah. How about you? I hope you took care of your wife and, and made sure those four kids delivered oh, on Mother's Day. I did. I, I, I tried. I tried. I, I feel like I, I mean, we won't really know unless it's my wife answering, right? Like that, that's the real answer. That's you true. gave the real answer because it was you on the receiving end, right? <laughs> I, I was talking to my team at ReCity. I was like, I was telling them, I think I did okay. And But really, we won't really know until we check my wife's Instagram. And that, that, that'll that be how we really know, right? Like whether she, so <laughs> what she tells the world and like, all right, well, uh, <laughs> so in reality, like my team will probably find out faster than me because I'm not really on Instagram. So they'll, they'll, I'm like, I'm telling them, you tell me how I end up doing, right? <laughs> yes. Because you're going to so hear, true. you're going to hear the truth. But I think I did okay. For me in holidays, I tend to be pretty unorganized and uh, I like to be spontaneous, but I think that uh, oftentimes that means I, I've learned I need to go in with more of a plan. Um, hmm. And so I planned it out this year, and I think I think I did pretty good. Instagram will tell the tale in the honest truth at the end of the day. But we planned it out. I activated my four kids. So, you know, they were co-conspirators yeah. with me. And if all else fails, having them help make mom breakfast, it's hard, well, to, it's hard to mess went. that up, right? Yeah. I was going to say if breakfast was made by the kids and some very – odd looking pancake or odd crazy looking scrambled egg comes out of it. You've done well. That's exactly how it's supposed to go. That's yeah. exactly how it's supposed to go. So hopefully it wasn't perfect. It was, exa- you know, it was I like, friendly. I already mentioned that I'm not on Instagram. So for me, it feels like the, like I don't have the inspiration of that world to get all the thousand ideas. So I think that me coming up with my own ideas 
that are not influenced by social media should be should be taken into account on the grading, right? Like, isn't that better or is that worse? Yeah, I don't know. I think you should join Pinterest. I think you should get a Pinterest account. I I mean, I get what you're saying, but this day and age, you okay. might as well throw down that argument. Pinterest. That argument doesn't hold water. Okay, good. <laughs> it doesn't really hold water. A free app that gives you all the ideas? No. Okay. <laughs> you, you we're going to edit this part out. My wife listens to this podcast, so we're going to edit this part out so she doesn't doesn't hear how I work. Actually, your wife is ideas. texting me. I'm actually sharing what your wife is telling me right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I well, love it. I'm so glad to, to see you and check in. This was always a highlight for me. Before we get yeah. into our topics, so always good yeah. to see yeah. how my friends doing. And that's and that's I think something that is always so important that I appreciate your willingness to do, Jess. Is like this journey that we've been on together is. I mean, we are intentionally leaning into hard things, but at the same time, life continues to happen. And so we can't skip over. We can't look away and we can't, we've got to lean in to something, but also at the same time, we've got to celebrate Mother's Day and we've got to write cards for our mom and make breakfast for our mom. And we've got to, you know, if we can go to the beach, go to the beach and do your yoga, right? You know, notice I say it that way because I, you know, no one wants to see a six, eight skinny white dude doing yoga. That's just the world isn't ready no? for that for that oh, lack okay. of coordination yeah that's <laughs> i think it would be fantastic entertainment but okay <laughs> all right well what i when i lost my youtube channel i'll let you know um <laughs> thank you but all of that is just a you know we're, we're wrapping this up right this is this is we're landing the plane on this season uh the first yeah. inaugural season of just and i think it couldn't be more fitting to ask on one of our guests here that's going to help us wrap this season up is really the reason, one of the reasons why we're here. The reason we're able to even do yeah. this, right, is our, our partner in crime who has been behind the scenes that we're going to get to kind of pull the, the curtain back, you know, and people are going to be able to hear from the wizards, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, true. That's funny. Know, it's kind of an older <laughs> reference, but I, I use it a lot. But People get um, it. Trey would know. I, I hope yeah. so. I hope. Google it. Google wizard. Right. You know, you'll, it. They'll probably get Harry Potter. It's not going to work. true. Long way to say, we're welcome onto the show, Creighton Blackwell. Creighton, are you are you with us? Can you hear us? I am. Hello. Thank you for hey, uh, letting me talk with the family a little bit this today. There he is. I there love he is. It. The man, the Good myth, the legend. Your voice. Yes. He is. He really is. Sort of is Wizard, are here. you comfortable with Wizard as a title, as an entry? Can we put that on your business card now, Creighton? Well, let me just say, I also made sure that my wife was taken care of for Mother's Day, that we and the kids got up and cooked her breakfast and made her day wonderful, then drove to go see my mother and made sure she had her flowers, her luncheon, and everything else. So if that qualifies me to also be called wizard by you all, go for it. I love, I love it. it. Magician. I love it. That's great. Actually, that's fantastic. Good job, guys. I'm impressed with the men on this call today. Y'all took care of business. Very good. Congrats. I love it. I love it. Well, two thumbs up if you saw me. I'm over here smiling and giving thumbs up. Two thumbs way up. Two thumbs way up. I love it. Well, you're an inspiration, Creighton. I'm gonna. I'm next year. I'm coming to you with 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 my ideas, and I'll run them by you first, and we'll 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 present ours to Jess and focus group them, and then we'll be even better next year. <laughs> that sounds just like a safe plan. That's insurance. Well, that's insurance policy. Okay, well, go Craig, ahead. I'm dying. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. You can never talk too much about mothers, right? Like that's that's never. Sure. If you're gonna go long, let, let that Good be the point. intro that goes long, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Trayden, we've been co-laboring in this work for a long time now. You know, you, me, Jess, we each go way back and we've seen the work that you've been doing, but our, our listeners may not know, may not know about you first and foremost and, and about the work you do. So just before we jump into our topic today, I just want to have you share a little bit about yourself. Who is Creighton Blackwell, the person? Tell our listeners a little bit about you. 
Sure. Once again, Creighton Blackwell, my official title, I am the Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Coastal Credit Union. Gosh, been in the financial industry now working at credit unions and banks for over 22 years. A lot of that has included doing management roles from branches to cities to markets to executive roles to some regional, national roles. So I've seen a little bit of everything in my financial career. Grew up in Roxborough. Grew up in a in rural area out of Roxborough, North Carolina. So I am local to the Durham RTP area. And I would tell you, growing up that way and seeing some of the things I've seen from a financial standpoint, if you ask me who I am, I would tell you in some cases I'm, a, I'm truly a public servant, but a public servant that's kind of drawn to how do we connect and collaborate and bring all the resources we can in order to truly be able to help people. And I don't say that kind of as hyperbole because everyone wants to help, right? We hear people say all the time we want to help. But no, let's now break that down and let's tangibly talk about how we can help. How do we move these from just conversations to actions? My career and what I've seen so far is that we enjoy the conversations. When you talk about even the definition of philanthropy itself, in some cases it gets trapped in people talking about and enjoying the conversation of it. What is powerful to me and what's led me to who I am and honestly It's because I also watched my mother and father work extremely hard to raise five kids, which I'm the youngest of, to show us that you know something is about the action and it's about the empathy and passion of the other people that you're looking at. And how do we draw all of our actions, all of our solutions, strategies, all of those good things to that point? That created me as the kind of the professional I am and truly to the collaborations and the connections of people like you, people mm. like Jess, who have also said, you know something, we're about action. Mm. I, love I love it. Creighton, I think it'd be hard. We could spend hours talking about all the things that you've been doing in your career to pursue and move the needle on justice. And I think we, before we zoom up to the 10,000 foot view and talk vision, We talked about you being a wizard earlier, but I do feel like as a funder, there almost can be a a curtain, so to speak, of like, oh, we don't know what it's like. We don't know what it's like. What's a typical day in the world look like for you in your role as someone who's in a position to invest in our communities and and choose how to do that? So just for people who are not familiar with what it means to be in philanthropy and and as a funder here locally, just walk us through what does a day in the life look like for you? Well, the first thing I would say is for many people who look at these types of positions and opportunities within philanthropy, I think the first thing you have to understand is it's very difficult. It is a hard skill position. It's not just the people who get to go to the fun events or get to wave with a big check. It's much more than that because that typical day you are spent speaking and talking with organizations, individuals who are going through these essential problems in life, whether it is they're not able to eat today, whether it is they do not have the laptops for the remote learning that we're seeing right now that's so prevalent. It is they might be going through domestic violence. Mm. You have to be able to have those discussions, have that empathy, have that passion, and then actually have the financial acumen to say if you can or cannot be able to fund it, can you be able to help build it, be able to support it? 
And if you can't speak to those types of things, it's going to become very difficult to be able to do this job extremely well. Now, your day is built of, say, 15 to 20 of those type conversations a day because there's no lack of need. That's one of the reasons why this and what you all doing is so important with this podcast, right? It's galvanizing and talking about justice and bringing everyone here to say, look, we got to talk about these needs so that we can build a solution. My job today is built from an executive level of being able to talk about those every day, all day, and try to figure out the strategies of how you're going to be able to help heal those. Yeah. That's great, Trayton. And I appreciate you sort of letting us look under the hood a little bit on what it is like for someone in community relations or community partnerships. Because a lot of times the people like, that's the job I want is to be able to hand out the check and help the community. But with all the yeses that are out there, there's a lot of no's or not now's, right? And that's a challenge that dance to make sure that you're prioritizing and figuring out who's what and when and how on behalf of the company in this case that you represent. So I appreciate you sort of giving us that inside look. And I know you well enough to know that when you say go from conversation to action, that you really mean that. And so for our listeners who are just getting to know you, I guess I'm over here and Rob would do the same co-signing what you're saying here. Like you Mm -hmm. really are someone who gets fired up. We've had personal conversations about this. So you get fired up around what are we doing? We have to stop talking about these things and let's get into the community and work on systems change and collaborative change and really pulling communities together through their own leadership and supporting that through your work with Coastal. And so my question for you would be, with all that you're doing, I, I would see, think that it's a little bit hard to, to do the day-to-day because you have everything right in front of you that you have to address. But I also know you well enough to know that you, while you're doing the stuff that's in front of you, you have an end game. You have sort of this vision for where you want to take your work and what your ideal philanthropic vision would be for your work or just in general. So could you share with our listeners Outside of the day-to-day, what are your hopes for the ultimate vision for philanthropy? And then as you're describing that, how did you get there? How did you, Creighton Blackwell, form that vision as a guide for how you do your work? One thing I want to add to kind of my resume to speak of, to answer those questions, if you will, I also currently sit on 10 different nonprofit boards of directors. I actually chair three different boards. Many of them look different from one another. And it's very strategic, the way that it's set up. I have a little bit of a issue with how we categorize philanthropy and that we, in many cases, we narrow what we think this definition is. My philosophy has always been focused on how do we redefine what philanthropy is? It needs to be redefined today to get past what we just talked about a little bit ago about it just being looked at from a strategy standpoint as to it's a non-revenue side of the business and it's just made for us to feel good about cutting a check. It is more than that. It must be redefined. I'm on these 10 different nonprofits that all look different. Why? Because we believe in trying to heal the whole person. I use the term holistic a lot. Because you don't just have a kid who may be struggling 
with reading and they have some literacy issues, you can't just look at that kid and says, well, we just need to get them more books. Because if you don't look at the fact, well, maybe part of that is also because there's a food insecurity issue there. That kid is going home and not eating. How do you look at the whole problem? Philanthropy to me and my vision has always been how do we strategically look at all of these different ills that all have connections? I'm in the financial industry because in many of these situations, your financial pictures, your financial capability, well-being is connected to many of these social ills. So I'm in an industry where I have the experience to be able to touch all of these different things. And if I can bring those things together from a collaborative standpoint, all of a sudden now we're talking about the food insecurity of that kid. How do we help that kid create a structure where they're not going to be hungry anymore that leads to, wow, now there's more opportunity to be able to have them focus on literacy. Oh, wow, now there's also an opportunity to increase their broad brand. And those are three different nonprofits that may be working on that, that we're just able to connect them together to help the whole of that individual. That is redefining to me philanthropy. That's moving beyond the narrow strategy into more of a sustainability factor. And now that's the strategy. When we look at community, we look at justice and we're not afraid. And this is something I say a lot. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. But we will hear the phrase, you can't be everything to everyone. Well, I actually kind of rebuff from that phrase sometimes. And I'll say, well, though, you can be more to more. You simply have to be willing to want to look at doing more and connect those dots. That's how I see philanthropy being revisioned. That's how I see it being rephrased. And now for all of our funders and all the business people, you don't just see it as a way to build PR. You don't just see it as, as a, a non-revenue activity. It's important, but it's not as important as other parts of it. No. The new definition of philanthropy says it's intertwined in all pieces of your business. And the strategy from the executive visionary level connects all those things. Holistic is my key term when I go back to saying this is how we redefine it. This is what my vision is. And this is how, once again, things like we're building right here. This is why I play such an important role in how we're going to redefine philanthropy for everyone to be able to see but then everyone to be able to feel when they see the actions that come from it. Clayton, thank you for that. Thank you for using holistic. Thank you for kind of, it's, it's all sort of what we've been talking about around getting to the point, right? This is around justice. I'm sitting here wanting to ask this question. It was not on our list of questions today, but I'm just so curious about your point of view on this. Do you think that it's widely shared by your peers? It is a growing movement. It's not where everyone is. Because to be frank, in many cases, it's easier to look at it from a narrow point of view. Yeah. It's easier to say, okay, what's the best PR option to now say we're going to do some philanthropy work for this area? Get that check and move on. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a discipline. It's a little bit more now of, and I use the term, an executive vision to say, no, you need to lift that up a little bit more and become more difficult. That's not where everyone is. We've seen more people grow to that. Hey, we've even created a group of people that have grown for that, of what we call the corporate Avengers, which some of you all are part of that. 
mm-hmm. as a group that says, you know something, we are all like-minded and saying we believe in the executive discipline of what this is, and you're seeing more of those continue to build in a time like today where you have such issues that's going on in our community, so many people needing even more help. You're seeing the justice issues that have been there for such a long time be highlighted that you're now going to have more of a challenge to say, which category of philanthropy do you want to be in? Do you want to be on this cutting edge where we are leading it to a higher vision and honestly, a higher result, which is what we've seen. We've been able to touch more people. Our collaborated resources has been able to be more successful in the social impact. Because of this, we're going to try to bring others to it. But it's a misnomer to think everyone is there because everyone is there. Yeah. And what you described, I think our listeners probably thought, well, that's obvious. Of course, it should be holistic. Of course, that's the approach. But I just sort of wanted to make the distinction that it it hasn't always been that way and that this is a newer way of thinking, even though to many it might seem fairly obvious. And it does take strong leadership at the top to be able to galvanize people around this idea and move them with them, like move others along with that type of thinking, even though it, to many of us, it seems like, of course, it, that's how it should be done. Yeah. So thank and you I, for that. And I love, I love everything you're saying, Creighton. Just to summarize what I, I feel like you're saying here of, of redefining philanthropy, we've got to look at, at the whole problem and how the roots are connected, which has really been this metaphor that we've been talking about for this entire journey that Jess and I have been going on with the Just Podcast these roots of these trees of injustice that have been growing for centuries in our communities. We got to look at that and attack that so we can serve the whole person. And I think to Jess's point, I'm thankful that people in your position are speaking to this because I think that to borrow like a football analogy, it can be hard knowing some of the nonprofits I work with that are so entrenched in playing the game on the ground that it's hard to see things in whole systems, right? And see the disconnection because they're fully engrossed in serving the people in front of them. But that's where I think it's so important for us to collaborate, to your point. And we got to be in community together and be co-conspirators, right? I'm not a corporate Avenger, I'm, but I'd love for you all to – you can vote on who, which one I would be, right? I want to hear, Creighton, which, uh, which Avenger you would choose, right? I don't, are you a Thor guy? Are you a, <laughs> you a Thanos? Yeah, you're not Thanos. I was going to say he's a bad guy. Right, Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, he might be Iron Man because that's a whole other spinoff <laughs> episode. That'll be a bonus track that we release later. We can nerd out on that later. But my question to you – Creating the follow-up to that in redefining philanthropy and that ambitious vision, what is our biggest obstacle in getting there, in your opinion? What's the biggest hurdle standing in our way? It is, number one, and we mentioned a little bit about this before, it's difficult because you do have to now change your way of thinking about it beyond just being a PR hit. And now you're talking about interweaving this into all of your actions, say, from an organization standpoint that has philanthropy. Hey, many organizations don't even have a philanthropy department, right? They don't have some of these. And some of these that have what we deem community departments, in many cases, they're not going to be at the higher end of leadership. Now, you're seeing a change in dealing with this obstacle because now they look at people like you two. And it makes me really proud to see this change because now what you're seeing is a transition of organizations saying, you know something, I need my CEO or I need my COO, my key leaders to have this type of skill set and talent. 
That's not what you mm-hmm. used to see. It was an obstacle that if you were just, quote unquote, a community person, you are somewhat pigeonholed and you were not looked at in this bigger vision that we're talking about. What you're seeing is those companies and organizations on the front end of this that says, you know something, it's different. And the skill sets now is different. We need to have the CEO have this type of background so that they have this type of passion, this type of empathy, that type of skill set. What you all do is not simply as leaders of a podcast. You all are leaders of community. You're just not leaders of the businesses that you're part of. You're leaders of community with skill sets that now are, in some cases, far superior to those of traditional leaders that you saw. The obstacle is getting past, getting other people past those old concepts of what this philanthropy is to what now this redefined, this is what the people need, right? In many cases, this is now needs assessments. This is how we're matching up what is important to the people. And as we hear all every day right now, when we talk about what's our new normal, it's about adapting. The obstacle is how do our, our leadership structures, and whether that be business, political, whether that be how we deal with each other from a community, internal, external, if it's not adapting to what the true need of the people, that's where your obstacle is. We are hoping we can continue the movement of that adaptation, but the people that you're seeing jump out of this, once again, thank you to you two. For that leadership, because you are, for all of the the people who are listening, you are the ones who have helped now help change and transition and really be able to help other people adapt to this new way, this new definition that now is taking off on a higher vision, higher leadership, higher levels. That's where this thing is going. That's where all together, that's where we have to be successful. Thank you, Craig. And thank you for those kind words, too. And obviously, you're in this with us, so we appreciate your leadership. It's important to have folks on your side of the table, if you will, Mm. who are leading the way and who aren't afraid to push the envelope and who can bring up words like justice and equity and be prepared to answer those questions and be thoughtful and respectful along the way, but provide good examples and encourage your peers and your colleagues, Creighton especially, to take chances that they wouldn't otherwise take and to raise the bar and have a higher standard, which is what I just heard you saying, that there's a higher standard now, or we hope that there will be this continued higher higher standard around leadership in the work that you do so that, you know, it's not constantly reinventing every time there's a new person, right? You have to teach and educate. It's just that person comes in with the mindset of, justice and equity and community building in the right ways and not in the old antiquated ways that we're, that we're often used to seeing and whatever in headlines. But I love, so I love all of that and appreciate that you're willing to be one of the, you know, Avengers or one of the leaders that's, that's sort of taking that head on bullets or not, right? Like I'm going to take it, let's just go and we'll, we'll, we'll change minds along the way. Now, earlier in the interview, you said, you talked a little bit about your parents and their influence on how you frame up your why, but I'm curious if there's other variables or lived experiences or, 
you know, what fuels you? Because not everybody can do this work and do it well like you do. So what do you kind of fall back on when it gets a little hairy and you're having those 15 meetings a day and you've had to say no? What fuels you and keeps you going? Well, so what really helps me is I have that 20 plus year financial background. Mm. I'm not just a person who works in community. Mm -hmm. I'm not just a person who has just simply had a certain experience based in this category. My background has allowed me to see all the people struggling. I've seen those people who are struggling to be able to eat. I've also been the people who had to give the loans. I've seen Mm -hmm. all sides of this throughout my career. And I saw all sides of this simply as I grew up and decided, you know something, I'm not going to hide from people. I want to be, and do you have the skill, and this is what I was taught, the skill of empathy, the skill of listening. As I'm sitting in front of people and I'm watching them struggle, I now, as I'm growing into myself as a professional, I'm never leaving those visions behind. Those things are helping so that now I can be something more. And that goes to this deal, this focus we talk about of redefining it, because in many cases, I can say, look at all these different things that I've been able to bring under my executive experience to say, this is how I can judge this now. We're talking about the economic development of it. We're not just talking about cutting the check. Mm-hmm. That's where... Yep growing up the way I did and the lessons my parents gave me, Davis and Dorothy Blackwell, that basically was like, hey, no, you work extremely hard and you see and pay attention to what everyone else is going through around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Crane, we've covered so much yeah. ground and these are, I think you've given our listeners so much to think about, but I want to I wanna help synthesize it for them as they're hearing from you. Probably I'd say 99% of the people hearing you talk are not in your position. They don't represent the role that you do and have the perspective that you do, but it doesn't mean they can't get involved. And we always want to really queue up our listeners for a show up moment. What's one thing, especially as we land the plane for this season of our first inaugural season of, of this Just Podcast, in your opinion, what's one tangible thing our listeners can do to help move the needle towards justice? Which is, which is what you're, you're really getting at here, right? as, a, as a more just communities. What is that final charge for our listeners? We just want to give you the floor and just let you speak directly to them. Well, one of the things, and you hear this a lot, right? You'll hear people say, be heard, as one of the key things when it comes to justice. Be heard. Be able to speak to it. Be able to tell it out. In many cases, You have those that have not wanted to speak to justice by simply acting as if it did not, the negative thing didn't happen. So be heard and really be able to spell out if it wasn't for certain things that we see in the media on justice, certain videos and things, there are things that we still would not know or talk about. Mm-hmm. If it's not acknowledged, I, I used to always hear this in my professional training growing up. If it's not acknowledged, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is how do you acknowledge what you see and speak to those injustices and they must be able to be brought up. So we must continue to be heard. Those injustices must be able to do it. You must, I would tell you, continue to support programs like this. Here's another communication channel for us to specifically talk 
acknowledge and bring these things out. Support those areas. Speak up to those. Blast it out to everyone. Hey, have you heard this podcast? You need to be a part of this because they're telling us how we can all have the voice that everyone has talked about us always having. We've always talked about everyone has a voice. Well, this is those times where we find these type of avenues. Get behind it. Go on social right now and go post to everybody about why this podcast is so important to you. Go tell your other friends. These are those things that we together, when we talk about collaboration, as we all become these people who are connected together for sustainability of community, and we mean justice is the key thing. If we don't do this together, then we will simply continue to talk about it. There will never be a demand for solutions. Well said. Well said. Craig, we appreciate you you taking this time and, and, and we appreciate that. I think I don't think there's a, a better charge that our listeners can hear in this time, in this season, with all that we have circling around us and all the injustices that are right in front of our faces to do just that. And, and I, I can't think of a better action step than to, to do exactly what you're saying. Speak on it, be heard, acknowledge what you see, support voices advocating for justice in your community, and add your voice to that course. Use your voice. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a platform like a podcast to speak and to acknowledge and then speak until you know how to act, you know, and, and, and then take that action so that we can lock arms with you, right? Avengers can't do it on their own. They need support and they need the support of the people listening right now. So I, I appreciate the way that you speak to this, Creighton. I appreciate your voice in this conversation and all the things that you, you don't let it just be talk either. And we are just so grateful that you would take the time to help us wrap this first season of the Just Podcast. Couldn't think of a better person to help us do this. Thank you, friend. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to get your perspective. Well, thank you once again to you two for the, the leadership. And thank you to everyone because the adage is true. We are in this together. Mm, so true. Mm. Yeah, whether we want to be or not, the truth is we already are in it together. So how <laughs> we get, I mean, seriously, how do we, mm. I mean, we're in it. So how are we going to do this? Is, are we going to be, is it going to be an easier, less painful route? Or are we going to take the super road less traveled as of weeds and all that stuff? Like, let's, let's do this together. It doesn't have to be that hard. It really doesn't. We just need mm. to be action focused, solution focused, and extend the conversation there into action instead of just talking about it. So mm. thank you, Creighton. You're a good one. And you're Iron Man in my book, friend. <laughs> are, we gonna, are you going to leave us He's in suspense? He's my favorite Creighton? one. Are you going to leave us in suspense until season two to tell us what Avenger you are? I, I think that would be a great cliffhanger to leave this. It's with. a cliffhanger. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes. It's that moment that cuts the screen. And everyone's like, no, I got to know. I got to know. <laughs> All right. Well, that means you're, what you're doing is you're signing up to come back and talk to us again. Season two. Do we, is that right? All right. I love it. I love it. Thank you, friend. Thanks, Appreciate friend. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Well. Well, there was that. Good. Yeah. That was, that uh, was so good. There's so much that he, I, I'm going to have to go back. There are certain episodes, Jess, that we've done together where, like, I'm going to have to go back and listen, not to critique, but to learn and to, like, listen, re relearn and to sit with. It feels like the, there is a, all these words that he used, like, holistic, right? Yeah. Or uh, getting at root causes. I mean, these are things that, for, for our listeners who have been with us since the beginning, they've heard these terms over and over again. And he just, he used them, but he used them from a different perspective and with a fresh voice of what does it look like as a business person in the corporate world? 
to really push for justice in a way that is, is new to us. We, we have not gone there yet, but we need to, and we need more of it. And so I'm, I'm really glad he took us there. And I, I just love to hear your quick processing. What was your biggest takeaway from that conversation? I think it was very much in line with what you took from it. We both are fortunate to have Carl Creighton a friend and, and are able to see him move in his community, in his own professional community, his business world. And he really does live this out around action versus conversation. So I really appreciated him calling that out as an asset and also calling it out as a distinction that we need to do less talking and more working on the problem, putting resources behind a problem. So I thought that was really helpful. And then getting back to the business community, right? I just think that is oftentimes we just assume that the business community speaks the same language, works from the same playbook on issues like this. And and what he was able to do is really tell us that that's not necessarily true and that there are levels to this movement, right? And that Mm -hmm. people are learning they're growing. They're trying to find the value around it. They're trying to understand the value, which our listeners, if they're listening to this podcast and continue to listen, it probably have that innate within them to say, well, this is so obvious. But Creighton was like, it's, it's not always obvious. When you do bring business into it, there are lots of competing priorities. And what type of leader is required to do this work well in the business community? And, you know, I thought he did a really nice job of helping us see what he has to think about on a day-to-day basis and long-term to get his peer group and his colleagues and those in which he works with along with that work. And Hmm. he does have great people that work alongside him who do very similar work in different companies here. We're very lucky that we have a great philanthropic sort of base, but there's a lot of work to be done and the movement is just starting around equity and justice. Do you mean to do that? The movement is just starting. You, you weave I that totally in did. Wow. I did. Gosh, you I was hoping you would pick game. it up. You are on your A game today. <laughs> I try. Uh, I try. Well, I, I think to echo what you just said, I think this pivot as we land this plan for this season to bring on his unique perspective, I hope for our listeners, we've shined the light, right? We always talk about shining a light on the people who are pursuing justice in our communities. That has tended to be yeah. more towards people in the nonprofit world. And I think that it's easy to kind of lean in and that be an intellectual exercise, but also keep that at a distance and say, well, that can never be me because I don't work in nonprofits. To me, Creighton begins a whole nother conversation that I hope makes it more personal for our listeners to say, but it also can be you and needs to be you. When he answered that question of the biggest obstacle to justice, he's talking about it being costly and that it's going to require us to change our ways when change is costing us. And so that's, that's the question I think that is hanging and is really convicting for me that I think hopefully is convicting for our listeners, is will we change our ways personally, my ways? Will I change my ways to address injustice when change costs me? Mm. And I think that even to take even more personal, like me being a white man, and if you're listening and you are identify as white or you, you express as what people see you as white, then you in many ways are representing and benefiting from the status quo. Are you willing to risk your privilege and comfort, your bank account, When you have the choice not to, what risk am I willing to take? And maybe even ask it a different way. What cost won't I pay for justice for my neighbors and my community? Because I think I think just like you said in the last episode, like if you're having questions in your mind, name that like just name it, name it. We got to name it. We got to name the cost, the risk we're willing to take. We also need to name the cost we're not willing to pay because that's the helpful thing to do and work that out. 
and let other people speak into that to see if that needs to change about you. Are we willing to do that work? Because in my mind, Jeff, especially with everything that's going on in our society right now, in our nation, it's not until the people that have something to lose take that risk to lose it that we're really going to see change happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. It's about, it's about the idea of giving something up and how does that make you feel? And I think there's, there's a lot in that, that all of us, all of us, not just white people, yeah. need to count those costs and then, and then have some sort of reconciliation with what that means about where your values live and, you know, what you're willing to risk and lose for the sake of others and their right to have an equitable and, and justice-filled existence. That's right. That's right. You're not going to see change happen, and we're not going to uproot injustice unless we are willing to have it be costly. And so to me, that, that is the show-up moment. It, it's a lot of different verbs, but what I heard from Creighton, speak, use your voice, but don't just talk. Mm-hmm. Act, take a step, take a risk. Right. Count the cost. I mean, these are all things that are action oriented that I think maybe are even appropriate to do in that order. And I think our listeners need to ask ourselves for all of those verbs. What does that look like for me? Make it personal. Don't keep this podcast and these topics at arm's length. This has to become personal to you. For some of our listeners, it already is built in personal. Right. And for for listeners of color, that's that's not an option. Right. It, It is personal. These issues, we often disproportionately affect communities of color. And so I think it's really me talking to our white listeners of, do I, when I can choose not to, am I going to opt into making this personal and costly? Because I think that's just good to ask yourself that self-auditing question uh, as we land this plane on on, on season one and hopefully spur our listeners on to walking out this process after they hit the stop button. Let's leave it there. That's good. All right. Until next Thanks, time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to our listeners. We're, we're, we're so glad to be with you every other week. So uh, we'll see you next time. We're grateful for you. That's right. And hey, as we just because we're, we're pressing pause, it's going to be see you soon. In the meantime, make sure tune in, follow us on social media at the podcast. Just we're still going to be using that platform to talk and to speak and to do what we're telling you to do. Right. And encouraging you to do. We're going to be using our platforms. And so share this medium with people that and invite them into the conversation and then grab that cup of coffee, or it might be over Zoom, right? To be able to lean into these topics and figure out what this looks like for you. Until next time, we're grateful for each and every one of you. And Jeff, grateful for you. Yeah, same here, friends. All right, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Just, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Many thanks to DJ P-Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 